Uh, before we have our scripture lesson this morning, there's a notice up here. There's going to be a First Texas Home Health and Sealy Chamber of Commerce. They present Senior Citizens 11th Annual Health Fair. That's going to be Thursday, October the 27th from 10 to 1 uh, at the American Legion Hall, which is uh, on Highway 36 next to McDonald's. Flu shots, blood pressure checks, oxygen level, glucose checks, balance screening, hearing tests, uh, the strongest male and female contest, and much more. Huh. That'd be worth going to watch, I guess. Huh? Well, I have done my duty. I shared the announcement. Our scripture lesson this morning is found in uh, the Gospel of John, the 12th chapter. We're going to be reading the 12th through the 19th verses. And let me just go ahead and give you the setting. This is uh, the triumphal entry. And uh, the right before that, uh, Jesus has uh, had uh, the uh, a meal in Bethany at uh uh, Lazarus's home, Lazarus and Martha and Mary's home. And so we begin with the 12th verse. On the next day, the large crowd who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took the branches of the palm trees and went out to meet him and began to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Even the king of Israel, Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's coat. These things his disciples did not understand at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things to him. So the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify about him. For this reason also the people went to meet him, because they heard that he had performed this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you're not doing any good? Look, the world has gone after him. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to the Lord. Amen. There's another way that this uh, comment of the Pharisees is uh, translated. It says, the Pharisees then said to one another, you see, we are not succeeding at all. Look, the whole world is following him. So uh, uh, the Pharisees were very upset with Jesus' popularity. And uh, as I was looking at that, I began to look and I saw that they had an agenda. And Jesus was messing up their agenda. And uh, so they decided something had to be done about that. And I'm going to be talking to you today about agendas. And uh, as I was driving in today, 
uh, I, I remembered something, you know, agendas are good. Uh, agendas are just like anything else. They can be either good or bad, just depending on the spirit that's behind them. And we wound up behind a truck pulling another truck, towing a truck, and it wasn't going very fast at all. But as we were driving along there, it gave me time to remember a time whenever uh, I had a little Fiat, it was a little used Fiat that my uh, son had taken off to school and at A&M, and uh, the, uh, uh, the engine, something got messed up with the engine, and so I had to go get it and we had to take it back to the woodlands where I was pastoring at the time. And uh, as uh, we got there, I, I brought a tow rope with me. And we were going to tow this car from where it had broken down on the side of the road. And uh, Joel had never been involved in towing a vehicle before. And I had working at my dad's service station. I'd towed lots of vehicles and knew all about it. Or so I thought. But uh, whenever I got this thing hooked up and we got it tied up, there wasn't but about three feet between the bumper of uh, the Fiat and my uh, big Oldsmobile that I'd driven there to get the Fiat in. And so since uh, Joel hadn't ridden or driven a car that was being towed before, I put him in my Oldsmobile. And uh, uh, so that he could tow the car that I w- that was broken down. Um, this is where agendas are important. You know, an agenda is a plan, and normally you agree on an agenda. What you know, they're good. It's good to know what to do, what's going to happen, and things like that. Sometimes agendas are good. I didn't share any sort of agenda with Joel. I just. I didn't think about it, and I got in the car. He got in the car. He cranked up the Oldsmobile, and off we went. I mean, that rope popped, and uh, next thing you know, I'm going 70 miles an hour down the road, so close that I could reach out the window, it seemed like, and scratch the back of that Oldsmobile, and in front there was no space to you know no 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 lag time to slow down if and so uh i had to be very very diligent extremely diligent because if he slammed on the brakes i was toast and so uh i'm there with my eyeballs bugging i'm thinking we need to have a plan you know we need to have some some sort of uh signals or something like that and so i honked the horn but what Joel had done, he turned up the radio as loud as it would go, turned up the air conditioner and rolled up the windows, and he was just grooving to going along there, 70 miles an hour uh, on a two-lane road between uh, College Station and uh, Conroe, Texas. And uh, he's just kicked back, just grooving. I'm honking the horn. Nothing's happening. I flash the lights. Nothing happens. He's just still grooving. I do the windshield wipers and wave my hands. Nothing happens. And so uh, anyway, so then all I could do was just pray and watch out. And I am so grateful as we went around a curve 
the rope frayed and I shot off the side of the road freed from this uh, deadly Oldsmobile that was in front of me. And so finally, uh, I was able to drift to a stop and uh, I thank God I was still alive. And uh, anyway, so then we had a powwow and we got some, we, we set an agenda as to how we were going to do this from there, you know. So, but, so agendas are good things. And sometimes not having an agenda could be a bad thing. We know that. But in this case, as I was reading, it dawned on me, these Pharisees had an agenda. And their agenda was to get rid of Jesus because he was messing things up for them. In fact, in John eleven forty seven and 48, it says, Therefore the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council. This is right after Lazarus had been raised from the dead. And everybody's talking about Jesus is the one. He's the guy. Said, and so the, the, the Pharisees and the priest, chief priests were saying, what are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him. Like that's a bad thing. But this is why they thought it was a bad thing. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. What they were concerned about was their place and their nation. And there are a lot of people in this world that their agendas are all built around them either getting to a position in society or maintaining their position in society and also just keeping things the way they are. And uh, so this was their agenda. And so I started looking, okay, so that's their agenda. Jesus just is interfering with their whole, everything they want. But then the crowd also had an agenda. Uh, they wanted to make Jesus the, the king of Judea. And uh, they only had a superficial uh, connection with Jesus. And, but they were all for him because he was fitting the bill. And uh, whenever they were waving those palm branches and all, uh, if they'd had them back then, they'd have probably been wearing M-I-G-A caps. Make Israel great again caps, you know, because they were just so enthusiastic about Jesus because what he was doing just fit what they wanted done so badly. And so they were rejoicing. But the problem is, they didn't realize it at the time. Their agenda and Jesus's agenda were very different. And they began to displease him. I mean, he began to displease them whenever he started talking about dying and, and stuff like that. They didn't like his agenda. They wanted to force him into their agenda. And then also there were... Uh, there was uh, the disciples' agenda. The disciples, right up to the very end, just right before this takes place, uh, 
I think two of the disciples come up to him and uh, they're saying, hey, Jesus, can we, we, we want to ask a favor of you. After you get your kingdom all set up, let, 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 let us sit on your left and right hand side. Okay. Their agenda was they were planning on ruling and reigning with Jesus once he became king. They had an idea that yes, he was the Messiah. He was going to be the king of the Jews. Remember uh, uh, Peter, whenever they said, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, uh, and But then right after that, Jesus said, yep. And as it's written in scripture, uh, the Messiah is going to have to go to the cross and he's going to die. And do you remember what Peter said about that? Far be it that you do that, Lord. Don't you know? No, you you don't need to do that. Don't no. Don't 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 even think that way. And what did Jesus say to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. Because Peter was trying to pull Jesus away from his agenda. Also, Judas had an agenda, didn't he? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that today, but his agenda was to take care of Judas. And whatever he could get out of Jesus, he was going to get out of Jesus. But it was all about Judas. Even if it meant taking out of the the money that was meant to go to the poor, uh, he wanted to be a part of it. But then tied in with Judas's agenda, we get to see Mary, Martha, and Lazarus's agendas. And I am going to read the scripture connected with that. It starts in John 12, too. And this is uh, in Bethany at their home. Uh, just the day, the evening before he goes into the, uh, to, to the city. And we're going to see that Martha's and Mary's and Lazarus's agendas were to loving, to pleasing, to serving, and to express their faith and gratitude to him. That sounds like the church, doesn't it? That's what the church, these three, they got it. And they had a good agenda. Their agenda lined up. They were trying to line their agenda up with Jesus's agenda. Listen to this now. It started with John 12 too. So they made him a supper there and Martha was serving. You remember before Martha was serving and uh, Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and uh, Martha went and complained, said, you know, master, don't you care that Mary's just sitting there doing her thing? And, and uh, he got on to Martha. But this is just it. It's not they didn't love her. It's just that she had her priorities wrong and he helped her at that time to get her priorities straight. But that didn't keep her from continuing. Listen to this. So they made him a supper there and Martha was serving. This is just what Martha does. She serves. But Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. 
Now, Jesus loves these three. If that tells us in the Bible that he loves him, he loved Lazarus, whatever they said, word, master, uh, uh, the one that you love is ill. Talking about Lazarus. And then in John 11, 1, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was the Mary who anointed the, the Lord with, anoint, with ointment and uh, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And so the sister sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified. And then it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved all three of these people and they loved him and they all three had faith in him. Whenever they, Martha comes out to meet Jesus and uh, he said, uh, you know, Lazarus is going to rise again. He said, yeah, yeah, we know in the last day, you know. And uh, anyway, she knew that Jesus was going to have to go to the cross and die. Mary knew. And that's why she cried whenever she anointed his feet and anointed his head. And so we've got this picture here of these three people. Martha is serving out of love. Mary is worshiping out of love. And then Judas comes and Lazarus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lazarus is just sitting there. And you, there's a hit out on Lazarus. They not only want to kill Jesus at this point. They've got a contract out on Lazarus. They want to kill him because uh, everybody's coming to Jesus because of Lazarus. And so Lazarus just sitting there is a testimony, is a testimony to the power of Jesus. And so he's sitting there. I'm sure he's just grinning like all get out. And he's like, I'm alive. I, I, I was dead, but... Now I'm alive, you know, anyway, and he was just grateful. He was so grateful to Jesus for being alive. And so should each one of you be grateful to him this morning because you are alive. You were dead in your sins and he went to the cross and died and rose from the dead so he could offer you new life. And you have now received that new life in him. And so as you walk about every day, you are a testimony as you just walk around and grin saying, I'm alive. I'm really alive. I thought I was alive before, but now I am really alive. That's the church serving, worshiping, and how did Mary worship that, that, that oil, that frankincense? It was uh, the most precious thing, a year's wages. That some people speculate, well, one of the things that happened was a young lady would 
have something like that as her dowry. And, uh, and so she would, whenever some, the right guy proposed to her, she would take her vial of frankincense. She would kneel at the guy who proposed to her's feet and break that costly oil as a symbol. You're the one. There's no other. And you're worth it. And that's what worship means, isn't it? You're worth it. And so, uh, for some people think that it was, that was her dowry. It was very expensive, a year's wage. It was also her security. Women also kept, they couldn't work and make a lot of money back then. And so they would, uh, get something valuable that was portable in case they had to move from place to place. And it was their security. What I'm trying to say is that uh, no matter what, how that fitted to her agenda, when she broke that oil and anointed Jesus with it, she was saying, none of my agendas matter, Jesus. The only agenda that matters is yours. My hopes, my dreams, my security, my plans, they all pale in front of you. That was her way of saying, I love you. She worshiped. As did Lazarus just by being there, risking his life. I mean, think about this. Where would be the best place to be if somebody had a contract out on you? Right next to a guy that just brought you back to life just not long before, right? And so, I mean, you couldn't have a better, body, a better bodyguard than that, could you? So anyway, so Lazarus is just staying close to Jesus. Martha, she's the hostess. She is just always going to be trying to make sure that things are right for Jesus. So this is their agenda. They knew who he was. And they loved him. They knew where he was going. And it killed him. But they loved him. And then there's Jesus' agenda. His agenda trumped everybody else's agenda, didn't it? Every other agenda. Uh, You can sum his agenda up. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son uh, into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That's his agenda. He was going to go to the cross. He was going to die. And uh, right after uh, the words that we read at the beginning, Jesus shares these words. Now, My soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. And then he prayed, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it 
and will glorify it again. And uh, you see, this ties into God's agenda. If you look at the Bible from beginning to end, you see that God has not hidden his agenda from us. He has revealed it very, very clearly from the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. He's made it clear what his plan is. His agenda is laid out and we see the very end of it in the uh, uh, book of Revelation where we're all together at that great heavenly banquet and he's gathered in as many of us as he possibly could. In the meantime, we look around us today and we see the Bible coming alive as you see riots, as you see wars and rumors of wars and pestilences, COVID-19, phase 16, whatever, you know, all these different, crazy, different things that are happening. They were all foretold in the Bible, making it clear that we're getting closer and closer to the end whenever the Lord's going to return. And so, uh, He told us when we see all these things happen, just look up for your redemption draws nigh. His agenda is clear and it's coming about and we can see it if we'll just look around. Now, this brings us to what I want to, what the Lord really wants to get across to you today. Jesus' agenda is the agenda that's going to prevail no matter how hard we try to carry out our own personal agendas that are contrary to his, his is the one that's going to prevail. His agenda is moving forward. And that being the case, don't you think that we should be checking our agendas and make sure that they don't go contrary to the Lord's agendas. Now, we all have agendas. We need them, really. They help us to order our lives. As I just showed you, they can save your life, you know. Uh, Agendas are important. They help us to get things done. They help us to focus. They help us to stay on track. But they also reflect our hearts says, where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. So where are your agendas? We have, just think of all the different sort of agendas we have. We've got life agendas, political agendas, professional agendas, theological agendas, parental provision or, or, or agendas. You know, uh, sometimes when a child is born, uh, all of a sudden the parents are going to have plans for that kid before they can even walk. They'll start their agenda. And, uh, and the, the thing is with our children, we need to make sure that our agendas are lining up with the Lord's agenda. The Lord has entrusted a young little kid to you for you to help become who he created that kid to be. Uh, it's the same whenever he's entrusted a spouse to you. He entrusts people to each other to, so that we can help each other be who he has created you to be. But we also have agendas. We've got school agendas, family agendas, uh, marriage. Uh, 
Some people go into marriage with some unknown agendas. That's one of the reasons why I like to do a bit of uh, premarital counseling. I've done premarital counseling for years. Uh, but uh, the thing is, is that uh, what I'll have to do, I'll do a lot of times, I'll just give the people a, a, a piece of paper, the couple. So now I want you to write on this paper, look at that other person and ask yourself, if I could change, if I just wave a magic wand and change anything about this person, what would it be? And the guys will usually just kind of sit there and just kind of pull around because get around and say, oh gosh, I love her just the way she is, you know, Lord, or guy, you know, I just, you know, I don't know. But sometimes the guys do have a makeover agenda. But nearly always the women will go, drink and smoke and chew and chew and chew. I mean, they'll have quite a list. And then I'll have to say, now, I want you to take that list and look at it and look at that person in front of you and ask yourself if nothing on this list comes about can I marry this person and spend the rest of my life happily with them just the way they are because if the answer to that is no you're not marrying that person you're marrying what you see as their potential. You're not marrying them. You're marrying who you're planning on making them into. And do that person a favor and find somebody else so they can find somebody that loves them instead of who they want them to be. So that's, uh, there's all sorts of agendas and uh, there's, that reminds me of a story about the, the bride that was real nervous and she was fretting and the pastor saw she was fretting. It's about time for her to come. He says, I can see your nerves. Let me tell you what you do. All you need to do, you just concentrate on getting down the aisle. After you get down there, I can take care of everything from there. And the way that you do that is you need to focus. You just look at the aisle and then you look at the altar and then you look at him. Aisle and then altar, and then him. And so what the people in the congregation observed that day was a young lady marching determinedly down the middle aisle saying, I'll alter him. I'll alter him. Probably scared him to death as she was coming forward, but she got there. But she thought she was announcing her agenda. But we all have agendas. But uh, in looking back at some of the agendas that we've looked at in the gospel today, some of like the Pharisees, the crowd, Judas, and the disciples, it kind of makes us cringe when we think about their, uh, their agendas. But the agendas of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they make us kind of feel warm and fuzzy inside, don't they? And that's the Holy Spirit saying, this is where your agenda needs to be. And Jesus has given us a guide to measure all of our agendas by. And here it is, right here. Don't worry then saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? 
or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles, uh, they eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of such things. And here's the measure of our agendas. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So God's call to you today. Examine your agendas. Lay your agendas before the Lord. Are they lining up with his criteria for your agenda? Or are you seeking something first other than the kingdom of God through your agendas? And so uh, anyway, that being the case, let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Lord, we thank you for calling our attention to the fact that you call every whit of us, not just part of us, to be yours. Help us, Lord, to plan our lives, to make our agendas in the light of your kingdom and in the light of pleasing you in all that we say and do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.